Thank you, everybody. Are we okay? Are we well? Is it good to be in the house of God? Is everybody hot? <laughs> amen, amen. Well, yeah, this week we are continuing on with our series, The Fruit of the Spirit. Now, Pastor Mel kicked us off last week with a fantastic message, which is online. So if you wasn't here, you didn't catch that, then I recommend you jump online and have a listen. Well, this week, what I want us to do is just delve a little bit deeper into the text. We're in Galatians um, chapter 5, and we're going to look a little bit deeper into verse 16 and 23, which deals with the characteristics of, of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. So it's almost like we've got these two ways of living, right? We've got these two states of being. And, and the Apostle Paul, what he does here is he holds them up together side by side to contrast and compare them and show us the stark difference between um, the two ways, almost like these two characters, these two ways of living, these two states of being. He says, look, this is what it means. This is what it looks like when you're operating in the flesh. But then this is what it means when you're influenced by the Holy Spirit, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. So let's start by reading the text together. In Galatians 5, 16, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Two ways of living, two states of being. So what is going on here? What is going on here? What can we take away from this today? And as always with the word of God, with scripture, it's alive and active. We have to ask ourselves, what is God saying to me this morning? Let's personalize it, guys. What is God saying to me? What is he speaking into my life? Where does he want to bring new life into me today and into my circumstances? What is he trying to show me? And hopefully we can get into that this morning. Amen. You ready? This past week, um, well, past couple of weeks, my family and I were looking into getting some passports. Just a bit of a nightmare. We got our citizenship a while ago, and we're just getting around to looking into some passports for our family. But it got me reflecting. It got me reflecting on my journey from England, the place where I was born, across the ocean to this great southern land. And in particular, um, I, I just started reflecting on what was it that prompted that journey? You know, what, what was it? And I distinctly remember just a knowing within myself that something was missing in my life. 
Something was missing. Somehow, I just wasn't being truly me. You know, I wasn't, somehow I knew that I just wasn't living like I was supposed to be living. I was existing, right? I was in the world. I was existing, but I wasn't yet truly living. I knew, I knew that there was something lost. I had that feeling. I sensed it. I knew that there was something lost, and I knew that I had to go and find something, right? And I interpreted this as I need to go and find myself, I need to go and find myself. I need to go and try find the true version of me. And I don't think I'm alone in this, am I? <laughs> I don't think I'm alone in this at all. Because we hear it so often, don't we? I'm going soul searching. I'm going in, going in pursuit of myself. I'm going to go and find the true me. And some of us may have said this. Some of us may have thought this. Some of us may have taken similar journeys across oceans in pursuit of ourselves. But in my pondering over the last week, and I know you all can't wait to learn what goes on inside my head. <laughs> in my pondering this week, I asked myself, how would I have recognized myself if I was to find her? How would I have recognized myself? How would I have known my true self? Who was going to teach me? Who was going to tell me? Who was going to show me? And how did I even know I was lost in the first place? How did I even know I was lost in the first place? Well, the Bible, thankfully, gives us some clues to this in the book of Romans. And it talks about an external witness and an internal witness. An external witness and an internal witness which speaks to every person, Christian or not, every person about the reality of God. A creator God. A creator God that gives us life and a God that we became disconnected with. So when we're not in connection with that God, we do experience a loss. We do experience that I'm just not quite being the person I'm created to be. Like it's a real thing what we're experiencing, guys. We experience that loss. So let's have a look in the book of Romans. Externally, Romans tells us about creation. It's the external witness of God. The, the, the beauty of creation, the power of creation, and the order of creation testifies to us about the reality of God. And that's Romans 1.20. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his external power, and his divine nature. And the scripture goes on to say, so they have no excuse for not believing in God. External witness to the reality of God. Internal witness is our own conscience and our own hearts that testify about the reality of God. Romans 2 says, even the Gentiles who do not have God's um, written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without hearing it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing what is right. So, we, so all around us, creation is testifying to the reality of God. Deep down in the recess of every person's heart and mind is speaking to us about the reality of God. We know there is a God who loves us. We know we are created to live a certain way. And somewhere, somehow, we've lost that connection, right? And so often it gets interpreted as, I need to go and find myself. But what we really mean is, I need to go and find God. Amen? 
I need to go and find God. I need to go and find this God who created me and gives me life and who creation and my heart is talking to me about because in finding this God, then I'm going to find my true self. You with me? In finding this God, we're going to find our true self and all we've been created to be and do and live and act. Two ways of living, two states of being. One disconnected from God, one connected from God. Yeah? You see, we were created in the image of God to live in close relationship with God, in connection to God. But when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, we lost that connection, right? The flesh was able to to rise up and dominate, and we lost that connection to God. Consequently, we lost connection to our true self. And we lost the ability to have godly connections with one another. And the flesh was just too powerful. It took control and it determined the way we lived. Is this making sense? So what is that? That's character one in Paul's comparison, right? Character one in Paul's comparison, the works of the flesh, the way in which we were destined to live without connection to God. Anger, selfishness, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, the works of the flesh. That was our lot. That was how we were destined to live. The gospel, the gospel is a story of redemption. Amen? The gospel is a story of redemption. Come on, we can clap, Jesus. What does that mean? It means we get saved from something, and it means we get something back. Amen? The gospel is a story of redemption. Jesus Christ saved us from sin when he died on the cross for us. And when he rose to life again on the third day, he made a way for us to regain that connection with God regain that connection with God. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our connection back to God is redeemed and restored. Our connection back to our true self is redeemed and restored. And a way to have godly connections with one another is redeemed and restored. Character two in the comparison list. The way in which you were originally created to live and exist. God's original intention for you. Someone who walks in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A person who is redeemed and restored back to their original value and intention of Jesus Christ. As what? As image bearers of God. As image bearers of God. That is who you are now in Christ. That is how you were created to live. God's original intention, and he's saying, look, look at, my, look at my word. I'm showing you here. I'm teaching you. I'm telling you who you truly are so you can begin to recognize yourself again. We were never meant to live dominated by the flesh. That was a result of the fall. Romans says, you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit now if you're in Christ, yeah? You are in the spirit now if you are in Christ. Second Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. So we can throw off that old character and we can begin to put on who we were truly created to be. Like God in his image, displaying the fruit of his spirit and reflecting his glory to the world. Amen? 
Okay, so you say, well, this sounds nice. This sounds great in theory. We all want to get there. We all, we all want to live that way and reflect God to the world. That sounds fantastic. But how do we, how do we attain and how do we maintain this way of living? How do we maintain a way of life that is true to God's original intention for us and who we truly created to be? Well, it says in Galatians 5, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that gets us there. You know, we cannot do it in our own strength. It is proven the flesh is too powerful for us and it will just keep sucking us in, sucking us in, sucking us in to live in, in this works of the flesh state. And this is, this is exactly what the church in Galatia was struggling with, wasn't it? Around this, this highly controversial issue about then of circumcision. And they were, they were struggling with this issue and they were trying to make themselves right by being circumcised, make themselves right in God's eyes. By their own works, they were trying to be right in God's sight. And the Apostle Paul comes along and he so strongly, strongly warns them against that. He says in Galatians 3.3, 3, how foolish can you be? <laughs> how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect in your own human effort? He says what this does is, is it actually rejects the grace of Jesus Christ. It's actually, I don't need that. He says, you've fallen away from the grace of Jesus Christ. You've rejected it. That's all right, God. I can take it from here. I can do it on my own. I don't need you anymore. And what that's going to do is it's going to land us right back in that place of the works of the flesh, isn't it? When we're trying to do it in our own strength. You know, around this time, um, the Church of Galatia and, and the sort of Roman secular culture um, around that time, virtues, it was a big thing. It was a big thing for the Roman secular culture. Like, to compile a list of vices and virtues, that wasn't new. Um, it was quite popular in literature other than the Bible. There's a lot of it in Greek phil uh, philosophy, yeah? L it's highly talked about there. It wasn't a new thing. Um, and two, two highly esteemed virtues in, the, in Roman culture was courage and honor. There was more wisdom was won, but courage and honor, they were highly, highly esteemed. And it was said, there was quite a famous saying attached to that, and he said that if a, if a person can attain to these virtues and maintain these virtues in their life, then they have become a self-made man. They have become a self-made man. We hear that in today's culture, don't we? Yeah? Oh, look at that person. They're a self-made man or woman. <laughs> it was always men back then. Praise God, we're running together now. <laughs> yeah, we hear it, don't we? Self-made man, look at them. Self-made woman, ooh, self-made person. Look at what they've got. But God comes along. <laughs> Amen. Come on. God comes along and he completely dismantles that. And he says, no, no, no. I know where that's going to end you up. He says that to live the kind of virtuous life that I am calling you to, that I am asking of you. It has nothing to do with the self-made person and it has everything to do with the spirit-made person. Come on. The spirit-made person. He rips the focus off ourselves. Rips it off ourselves. And he points us to a power beyond ourselves. Amen. He points us to a power beyond ourselves. Nothing to do with a self-made man. 
and everything to do with a spirit-made person, woman. <laughs> you know, the solution is not in giving in to the flesh. The solution is not even fighting the flesh in our own strength. The solution is in welcoming the spirit in our lives, in all of our lives. Amen. I think, Dan, you, you spoke about this even in worship, just opening yourself up to let the Spirit into all of your life. Our brokenness, yeah, our sinfulness, them dark places. We need to open up and let the, the Holy Spirit in so we can continue this process of redemption and restoration and He can continue to draw out of us who we were truly created to be, Yeah? How he sees us in Christ, in the spirit, love, joy, kindness, faithfulness, all these things. The spirit can continue to draw that out. It says in Corinthians, and the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. As we are changed into his glorious image, it has nothing to do with a self-made person has everything to do with the spirit-made person. Everything to do with the spirit-made person. And you know, as I've been preparing for this sermon, I've been doing a little research on trees. <laughs> Excited. Apple trees in particular. Um, but I learned a few things. I learned a few things about this process of transformation um, that the Corinthians is talking about that I think might be really helpful just for me to highlight here. Um, so the first thing I learned about was grafting, grafting. And some of us may know that that's in the Bible, right? It speaks about it in Romans again. It says, a new Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree, Okay. So grafting, I learned, it was an ancient um, practice in farming. What's that word you couldn't say last week, Mel? Horticultural. <laughs> okay, so that was an ancient practice in the farming business. But it's still used today. It's still used today. I was quite surprised to learn. It's still used today in farming. And what happens is they literally shave a stem, and a, a, a bud and a stem off a dying tree. They take it to a big established living tree and they make a little incision in the big tree and they insert this, this dying stem bud in and they bind it together with tape or glue, some special tree stuff. They bind it together. Uh, <laughs> maybe I need to do some more research. <laughs> now they bind it together with, with, with something tape for a, for a time until then branches have completely fused together. They become inseparable, they're meshed together, completely fused together. So now the life and the oxygen of the bigger tree can surge through this dying branch and it, be, and it brings it life again. It begins to produce fruit again. Okay, so what are we getting in this picture here? What is this showing us? We, are, we get in here that we've been fused back together with God. We've been fused back together with God, the power. And now that the, the power of the Holy Spirit can surge through our lives, all right? It can surge and resurrect us and bring back to life them dead things and begin to produce His kind of fruit in our lives. Amen? Is this making sense? 
Uh, great, so grafting. And what, another thing that I wanted us to notice was notice that it's singular. It's fruit. It's not fruits. It's fruit, yeah? So you get one fruit and it produces all these different characteristics in your life, yeah? You don't get one without the other, so I'm afraid <laughs> we can't get away. We say, well, well I'm kind and, and gentle, <laughs> so I'll let that other person be joyful and faithful, <laughs> You know, we don't get away with doing that, I'm afraid. The Holy Spirit will produce all this stuff in your life. You know, if you are joined to God, living by the power of the Holy Spirit, surrendering, submitting to this power and life, then all these fruits will become visible in your life. And if they're not, we have to ask ourselves, do I need to be more controlled by the Holy Spirit in my life? Yeah. Do I need to just surrender a bit more and allow that life and power to come through me? Where am I at with that? Let's have a, just an honest reflection. Do I need to let the Holy Spirit control my life more? The second thing I learned uh, about trees and fruit trees was the importance of pruning. <laughs> Uh-oh, now I know some of us have heard that word before, right? The importance of pruning. And what is this? This is stripping away the dead stuff off the tree so there is room and space for new life to come. Yeah? So it talks about this in John 15. And it says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. It's encouraging in a way because you're producing something and he's pruning it off so that you, excuse me, can produce even more. So how does God prune us? How does God prune this dead stuff off us? Let's say, for example, you're praying and you're asking God um, to, 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 you know, grow some patience in your life. <laughs> What's he going to do? He's going to put you in a position, huh? He's going to put you in a situation where you need to shed off some impatience and learn how to grow some patience, right? That's what he's going to do. And if we don't get it the first time, he'll keep bringing that back round, bringing that back round. We're asking God to pray for some self-control. We're asking to see some self-control grow, right? What's God going to do? He's going to put you in close proximity to someone who really rubs you up the wrong way, right? So you have a chance to shed off that impulsiveness and being reactional, and you have a chance to let some self-control grow. Amen. This is practically how it works, guys. This is how it works. So maybe instead of praying to God that they might kindly remove that certain person out of your life so you can just get on with it, maybe we should thank God for that person being an answer to our prayers and working in our life, continuing to make room for us to grow his fruit. Amen? Come on. Amen. Lastly, something which, which I thought was really just important to highlight here. Um, once the fruit begins to grow, so once you can be, begin to see the fruit on the tree and it's forming and it looks beautiful and luscious and you have this beautiful, let's say, apple on the tree, what comes along? The birds, the insects, the moths, they come along what do they, to attack it, yeah? To attack it, to eat it, to destroy it, to spoil this beautifully forming fruit. Now let me ask you, doesn't that ring true to our own walk of faith? 
doesn't that ring true to our own spiritual development? And so often I've heard it and I've experienced it in my own life that just when things are going great, you know, you feel like, oh, you're just so in tune with God, so connected. Holy Spirit's just working amazingly through your life. You're growing in things of God. You're producing fruit. My spiritual journey's going amazing. And then, (laughs) bang, yeah? All of a sudden, it's coming at you from left, right, and center. Amen? And, you know, we say, I feel like I'm being attacked. Well, the truth is you are being attacked. You are being attacked. Because, you know, the enemy is coming along to destroy your fruit. The enemy doesn't want you to understand who you were truly created to be. The enemy doesn't want you to understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, redeemed you, restored you. The enemy doesn't want you to understand the power that you have available through the Holy Spirit. And the enemy does not want God to get any glory. Amen? You are being attacked because you're producing fruit. And you see what the farmers will do is they'll put shields around the trees. They'll put shields around the fruit trees so the birds and whatever can't get in to protect the fruit trees. Now, Psalms 18 says to me, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. So in these times of attack from the enemy, what is so important that we don't run from God, we run to God who is your shield of protection. Amen. It's so important that we stay in prayer. It's so important that we continue just to be led by the Spirit. And it's so important that we position ourselves, Pastor Miller said it, in church, in his church, around his people who are going to strengthen us and grow us and stand by our side and pray with us. He is your shield of protection. God is calling you. He's calling something out of you this morning. He wants to wake it up, you know. He wants to wake it up and draw it out of you. That person who you were truly created to be. A person who walks in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's calling you to a state of being and a way of living that was his original intention for you. He's calling you back. Back in connection with God back in connection with your true self, and back in connection with others. He wants that for your life. He wants that for my life. He wants that for all of us. Because he wants his glory to be reflected in the world through us. Right? As crazy as that may seem. He wants his glory to be reflected through you. Through all of us. Will we be a church? Will we be a people? Will we be be an individual who hungers for the fruit of the Spirit in our life? Who hungers for God to be formed in our life? Hungers for the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So that can bring us nourishment to ourselves, but also so it can nourish others. Will we be a person that hungers for the fruit of the Spirit in our lives so that others may look to us, they might look to us and see our life and see 
that person they were created to be, they might recognize that lost part of themselves. And in doing so, they'll call out to God. They'll call out to God. And they can become saved and redeemed and restored. Will we be a person that hungers for the holy fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that God can be glorified through us? I believe God is looking for, for men and women, men and women who are equally as hungry for the fruits than they are the gifts. Equally as hungry for the fruits than there are the gifts. The gifts, are, you know, the gifts make an impact. You know, but the fruit is that underpinning substance, isn't it? I believe he's looking for men and women who are equally hungry for the fruit and the gifts because we need all of God on display. We can't just have one aspect of him. We need all of God on display. Amen? Amen. You know, as I've said, we, we all sense this, this reality of God. We, we sense it. It's a real thing because of the external witness and the internal witness we all know um, that when we're not in Christ, when we're not connected back to God, we, we know we've lost something. We know it. We know we're not living how we were created to be. There's just something not right. We know we were, we know we were created for more than just existing, right? We know we were created for that. We were created to live, to find life. And Jesus says in John that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one can come to the Father except through me. So this morning, um, as I'm just drawing to an end here, I want to I give anybody a chance. You might be in this room. You might be online listening to this. If you haven't yet come, been connected back to God through faith in Jesus Christ, they want to give you a chance to do that this morning. So church, can we just bow our heads and just close our eyes? If you hear God calling you this morning and, you, and you're ready, you're ready. It's that knowing, you sense it, and you need to come back to God this morning. I just ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And if we can all just say it together, church. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I believe you rose to life on the third day. And I now look to you as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Just that we would all just keep our head bowed for a minute and just our eyes closed as we just sealing that, letting the Holy Spirit just move. I just ask if you are in the room and you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you can just... Just bravely, just slip your hand in the air so I can see and I know. Thank you, Jesus. If you're online and you've said that prayer for the first time, please let us know in the comments so we can reach out to you and we can get you some resources. Just a minute in this space, guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Guys, why don't we stand? I think we're going to go back into um, a song, but I just want to pray for 